There is one big secret to massive business growth, just one. And we've got it for you today on the Inside BS Show. Hey now, I'm Nikki G. On today's show, we're going to share with you the one thing you need to know in order to scale your business. The perfect person to pass along this knowledge to us is my partner, Dave Lorenzo, the godfather of growth. How are you, Dave? Hey now, Nikki G. I am doing absolutely fantastic, especially now that I'm here with you. How are you today? great too but you know this is my favorite part of the week i love to hear that so we're talking today about the one thing the one thing that can make all the difference in your business growth and i think nicola when people hear this they're gonna go oh yeah like i didn't know that but what you're gonna find is nobody's using it so that one big thing to make all the difference in the world in your business growth is actually leverage. Leverage. And everyone that we work with, all the people that we come in contact with are leverage deficient. They are not focusing on more ways to do more stuff in less time. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about three areas that you should be employing leverage for massive business growth. But before we do that, Nikki G, I gotta share with folks something that you and I talk about all the time off the air, and we have talked about it on the air, and that's if you don't employ leverage, you don't have a business. You've just got a job. So let's think about this for a second. For as long as I've been on my own, I've had a great job, a sometimes a job that paid me seven figures, most of the time a job that paid me mid to high six figures, and that's where I go coach people up one-on-one, or even if I go coach people in a group setting, I'm using a little bit of leverage, but it's still dependent on me. The difference between a job and a business is a business is a completely separate living, breathing organism that can function on its own without the involvement of any one specific person. So you, as a lawyer, have to go somewhere and do some work in order to earn some money. You got a job, whether you're in Jellarmino, PA, or whether you're working for Gibson Dunn or Wild Gotchel or whatever firm you want to call out, you're still working a job. You need to use leverage. You need to employ leverage in order to make sure you actually have a business. Now, it took a pandemic hitting me in the head to realize that I was never going to get away with scaling a business to the size I wanted without employees, without leveraging every specific opportunity I could. So I've embraced it and we're working together now and we're bringing people on and we're getting in front of as many people as we can. But the first thing that folks who are listening to us need to understand, and I need your feedback on this because I know how much you hate me telling you that you don't have a business, you got a job. The first thing people need to understand is if you can't take a month off, you ain't got a business. What do you think, Nikki G? We did a whole episode on this, but look, I think there, as much as I argued my position in that episode, I I really think there's a a very good point about this. When you are a working professional, you're in professional services, 
and your services are tied to the company generating revenue. It is very hard for you to say that that is a business that functions on its own. It really doesn't. I mean, you stop working for three months, your revenue is significantly impacted. You may have some if you have you know, some other employees who can help continue to generate revenue for you or some other stream, but most of the time what we see is you don't. You're not, your business is not generating revenue when you are not working. All right, so let's talk about the three places, the first three places. There's, there's dozens and dozens of places, and we'll talk about a lot of them during our time together on the Inside BS Show, but today we're gonna talk about the first three places where you need to employ leverage, and the first place is in lead generation. I'm gonna give you three specific examples. We'll pause and talk about each one of them. Lead generation, the first thing you should think about is going one-to-many versus one-to-one. Now, the folks who are listening, the, the bulk of the folks who listen to this show right now as we're, as we're producing them, those folks are in a networking group called Provisors. And that's a group that talks about connecting with people, developing deep relationships. And those folks are gonna say to me, and they're gonna say to you, hey Dave, hey Nicola, you guys are in a networking group and you're focused on one-to-one networking. What the hell are you talking about with lead generation one-to-many versus one-to-one? I'm gonna share with you how we take that model and we stand it on its head and you and I are going to share this exact thing with 400 people when we get up on stage and talk about our growth of our group. Even in a networking group, my strategy, your strategy in going to a networking group was never to connect with 10 people one-to-one every week. That was never our strategy. You and I, from day one, said we're going to be successful by being the people who are in the front of the room, leading the pack, connecting with people, making sure that our message was amplified by 20, 30, 40, in our group, 50 people. So our focus from day one was always on leverage, even in a one-on-one networking group. Now, everyone has the capability of doing this. And I know what you're thinking. If you're listening to this, you're thinking, oh, Dave, I'm a member of a chamber of commerce. I go to a leads group and we do speed networking and I sit in front of 50 people and okay, I get in front of 50 people, but nobody remembers what I do. That's not the leverage I'm talking about. If you wanna use this in a chamber of commerce, and we'll talk specifically about what you and I do in Provisors, but if you wanna use this in a chamber of commerce, what you do is you become the chair of a specific committee that has a lot of exposure, like the membership committee or the budget committee. You become the chair of that committee and you have enormous exposure to everyone in the organization. That's one to many, even in a one-on-one networking situation. What Nicola and I did in Provisors, we said, if we're going to invest all this time in this, we have to have the biggest group possible. We have to max the thing out. And we have to be the people in the front of the room. So we have to interview everybody who comes in. We have to develop relationships with all those people. And then we have to make sure that we're the people running the meetings. So Nicola and I in Miami 3, which is the geographic group that we belong to, are the people in the front of the room, the people that run the meeting, the people that talk the most. Nicola runs an attorney group for all all the attorneys in Florida and provisors, she's the person in the front of the room talking to those people all the time. So if she invests 
five hours improvisers a week or more, those five hours are invested getting in front of dozens of people, not doing five one-on-ones with the hopes that those five people will come and give her something back. So even in a networking set scenario, you need to do one-to-many versus one-to-one. I would prefer if you're going to do any personal marketing yourself, you do one-to-many like speaking, like podcasting, like doing videos, that's one-to-many. Look at what we do, Nicola and I, every week are doing speaking engagements. I speak in front of, on average, probably 75, 100 people a week, sometimes 250, sometimes 300 people a week. We do podcasts every day. These things live forever. They have a momentum unto themselves. We record them one time, the podcast goes out, people listen to it over and over and over again. Even if it's only 200 or 300 people, this one show recorded one time, the 15 minutes we're investing in doing this, gets access to hundreds of people for us. One-to-many versus one-to-one in lead generation. Nicola, what do you think? I think this is right on the money. Um, so you, you already identified two groups that I'm part of where that, that's been the focus. Um, but also, I love that you mentioned the membership committee because, like, so, you know, I serve on the citizens board. Well, I serve on the membership committee. Why? Because I thought about it in advance. If I'm going to be involved in an organization that I really want to be part of, and for you listening, maybe that is a local chamber. Maybe that's another local industry organization. You want to be somebody who has a leadership position because you can still have your time meeting members individually, but you want the broader reach. You will increase the amount of potential referral sources for you by having a leadership role and making sure that you are visible to the organization. And I assure you, when that happens, so many people will come to you because they recognize you from holding those roles. And that's been happening to us over the course of months. And I can't tell you how much we have multiplied our reach by assuming those positions so that we're able to exponentially increase the number of individuals that we're, we're able to, to speak in front of. The second element of using leverage in lead generation is targeting buyers and not referral sources. Again, you're gonna look at me and you're gonna go, oh, Dave, you're improvisers. Those are all referral sources. No, not for me, they're not. I'm selling stuff to Provisors members every day. The Provisors members are bringing me clients, which is great, but as part of the Exit Success Lab, I'm taking the best of the best, running them through my high net worth group, seeing who's a contender and who's a pretender, and taking the people who are contenders and selling to them so that they can become better professionals. I would not get involved in a birthday party if I couldn't sell something to the people who were there. So I figure out a way, well, even better, I pick things where I know that buyers are going to be. A buyer is a buyer is a buyer. I don't wanna be in front of people who are not buyers. I don't go hang out with people for fun during business hours. I go hang out with buyers for fun because there's nothing more fun than hanging out with people, making them better, and getting paid to do it. So get in front of clients versus referral sources. Nicola, I had lunch yesterday with somebody that we're gonna be working with who is a fantastic, fantastic networker. And we were talking about all the networking she's doing. I had a meeting four days prior with somebody else who's an incredible HR professional. And we were talking about all the networking that person is doing. Both of these people 
are out going to, and it blew my mind, between eight and in a big week, like 14 or 15 events, and all the events are with referral sources. They're with centers of influence. And I said to them, I would rather stab myself in the eye with a fork than go to 15 meetings with nobody who's capable of investing in my services. That's just, it just blows me away. I said to them both, is there an organization or are there organizations where your ideal client is a member? And they said, yes. And I said, why don't you spend all your time in those organizations? And if you only can get in front of those people twice a month, then figure out other ways to get in front of them that doesn't involve you going there and doing something. So I, I just can't believe all the time and energy people spend connecting with people who are tangentially related to their ideal client, to their buyer, instead of just getting in front of the buyer themselves. You'd be better off standing outside the door to your buyer's office all day waiting to have a conversation. I'm not even joking. You'd be better off spending eight hours waiting for the guy to come out and having a conversation with him on his way to the car than going to a networking meeting and wasting your time being breathed on by some yucky coffee breath knucklehead trying to sell you copier toner. It just doesn't make sense to do it. It really doesn't. Get in front of buyers. Referral sources will find their way to you, believe me. If you're a player, referral sources will find their way to you. You gotta spend all your time in front of buyers. That's real leverage. Yeah, you, you definitely need to find out where your buyers are. You, at this point, you know, have, have been doing this for a while. You're able to figure out what events they're going to, if there are organizations who are putting on events that are going to attract your, your buyers that you wanna get in front of, then you need to go to those events and you need to target them. How can you do that? Try to get a speaking opportunity there. Try to have some way where you're able to get in front of as many of them in the room as you can. You can do it in other ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be at events. You know, in, in my practice, a lot of times what I am able to do is offer, you know, CLE courses to entire organizations that have in-house lawyers. That's a great audience for me. I can pack a bunch of lawyers in the room who are potential buyers for my services because those lawyers are the ones who can hire me. You can also use social media to do it. Think about LinkedIn. Start recording videos and start connecting with potential buyers who you want to get in front of on LinkedIn and use your content to help you to do that. You will be able to market to a much broader audience of those who will be the ones to pick up your service. You're right. You're, you're spot on. I like that. I like the idea of doing educational content in front of people. I would much prefer doing educational content that leads them directly to you. So if you're doing a CLE in an area where you could help them. So for example, a, a guy that you and I both know of, you haven't met him yet, but you'll meet him soon, Brian Tannenbaum, he does CLE sessions on ethics. And it's great for him because he's an ethics lawyer. So when the people who come to his ethics CLE events run afoul of the bar rules or are accused of running afoul of the bar rules or are just gonna merge their practice with somebody else and want an advisory opinion, they remember the guy who did the ethics CLE and they go, I gotta call that guy. For me, it would be better for me to teach something specific that I could help them with. So I teach people all about business development. I teach people all about exit planning. I teach people all about strategy and how to make more money with less effort, which is 
is what we're talking about today. Why do I do that? Because when they discover that they can't do it all themselves or there's something missing, I'm the person they call and they invest in my services to make that happen. So when you're employing the leverage to get in front of them, especially from an educational perspective, make sure you're employing leverage in an area where they can call you. I'll give you an example of when this goes horribly wrong. A friend of ours who's a realtor is a really sharp guy, incredibly sharp, and he's a great networker. And he does seminars for people who he thinks are his ideal referral sources on networking. Well, when they have networking issues, they call this guy, but nobody calls him when they wanna list their house. And why are they not calling him when they wanna list their house? Because nobody remembers what the hell he does for a living. They think he's a networking guy. It would be better if he talked to people about how to prepare your house for sale a year in advance, or how to stage your house if you're thinking of selling, or five secrets a buyer's agent is never going to tell you when they're taking someone through a home. He would be better off tailoring his message to his ideal audience. That's another way to employ leverage. All right, the third way is repurposing your content. I know, Nikki G is mouthing to me that she was just going to say that. Go ahead, Nikki G, you do this one. <laughs> I did not know this was your third point, and I was about to tell you, pass it back to me, because that's exactly what I was going to say, is repurpose your content. For those of you who may be out there thinking, I don't have time to do this, first of all, you need to make time, because it's your business, and this is how it's going to grow. But the best way to do it, and here's the secret, is repurpose content, meaning you put together a seminar. Don't just do it once. Use that seminar multiple times. As long as you, you might just need to freshen up some of the content if there's something specific in there that's tied to a time frame, but you can still reuse it there. You can also divvy it up and create 20 LinkedIn posts just from that single seminar. You use bite-sized content and use that for other pieces of marketing. So that way you are utilizing something that you've taken the time to prepare in a lot of different ways that is saving you time in the long run. I love it, that's perfect. I don't need to say anything else. All right, the second thing you need to think about when it comes to leverage is sales and conversion. So when we talk about sales and conversion, it's hard work. Somebody is interested in you, they start a conversation with you and you gotta close them. And it's really hard work to close somebody, especially if you don't do it all day, every day. I feel like every conversation I have is with somebody that I'm closing them. But you people who are listening out there, you're probably not doing this all day, every day. So here's how you can employ leverage to increase your closing probability. First and foremost, teach people how to qualify a potential buyer for you and teach them how to close a referral before it even gets to you. Here's what I do and here's what this means. So if somebody wants to refer me and they send me a blind email referral, I show up at their house, I take a baseball bat, knock the headlights out of their car and then scream and yell until they come downstairs so that I can scream and yell at them. Because that is a huge waste of my time. When that happens, and by the way, that is a complete joke, I don't actually do that, but I, I, I do come close to berating them because I don't want Crappy referrals. I want people who are qualified to work with me. So here's what I do. When I ask for a referral, I say, Nicola, I see you are connected to George Smith and he's the general counsel at DHL. I wanna meet him and here's the reason why I wanna meet him. I wanna meet him because I have a solution that will help DHL 
double their revenue. I employed it at FedEx and I taught the FedEx institutional salespeople how to do it. All I need you to do is connect with George and tell him my friend Dave works with FedEx and he has doubled the sales to large companies for FedEx. He wants to do it with you. I know Dave, I like Dave, I trust Dave. I think you should meet with him because he's got something really good for you. That's the way I want to ask someone for a referral. What did I do there? I asked for a specific name that I knew she knew. I gave the position that the person was in. I gave the reason why I want to meet them. And there was huge value in it for that person. And then I told them how I was specifically going to proceed after she gave me the referral. So I made it super easy. I gave her a script to use. And all she has to do is go, okay, I'm gonna call George. So she calls George, George says yes, I take that meeting, he takes the meeting, we get together, and the next thing you know, he says, Nicola says you got something that's gonna double my revenue and that you did it for FedEx. There's social proof there. I did it for a competitor already. I gave her all the ammunition she needed. She went in there and basically closed the deal for me. This guy would be crazy not to take the meeting. Now, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. So I have what I call a master's program for CEOs to help them achieve their most important goals every quarter. And I was one person short for my last master's program. And I was talking to the chief operating officer of a professional services firm. And I said to him, you know, this would be perfect for Michael, who's the CEO of the firm, who he, he obviously he knows him. He's the chief operating officer. And he said, tell me why. And I said, I've got five high powered CEOs who are in there already. And I listed the names and I said, I'll send you an email with their bio so that you can see it. But they're all in complimentary businesses to Michael. And they're all struggling with the same things that Michael's struggling with. And they can work together to solve those problems. And these are great opportunities for relationships to develop. Getting them together is a great opportunity for relationships to develop. The chief operating officer said, man, that's fantastic. Are you gonna do one for people at my level? And I said, yeah, I think I will. He said, I'm gonna tell Michael he needs to sign up for this. He said, send me an email with the bios of the people, send me an email with a link to pay, and I'm gonna get him signed up. Done. I didn't have to do it. I didn't even have to, I didn't have a conversation with the guy to describe it to him. All I did was send it to the chief operating officer. He forwarded it to the guy. The guy replied two words, I'm in. And then he signed up and we're done. So I taught him how to close the deal for me. What's the worst thing that can happen? I just get a really great qualified introduction. Nicola, your thoughts on using leverage even in a referral process for sales and conversion. It is unbelievably effective to be able to use it in the way that you've just described. So I've had the circumstances where I have asked somebody to make that connection for me. And when you know somebody who already has a good relationship with the person that you want to be introduced to, think about how that stands in contrast to you reaching out cold. It's coming from somebody they know. You've already given them the script. They are telling that person how great you are and exactly what you will do for the company. The other person on the receiving end of that is absolutely taking that meeting with you. Think about how many times you would have to email and call to maybe even get in the door. It, it's a long process and maybe you get one shot, but it, you will never walk into the room and be in the same position you will be in 
without having somebody who already has that relationship and make that connection for you. It is, it's night and day. So the power of that leverage cannot be understated in those circumstances. I'll give you a second thing you can do when it comes to sales and conversion, and then we'll move on to point number three about leverage. The second thing you can do when it comes to sales and conversion is create what I call a gateway offer. So let's say you have a product or a service that has a high barrier to entry, and that barrier to entry may be a cost issue. Okay, you have a service that's 10, 20, 30, $50,000. Nobody's going to, I shouldn't say nobody, I've had it happen where occasionally somebody will give me a lot of money, but that's, it's very, very rare when somebody will plunk down a huge sum of money when they haven't had any experience in working with you. So you have to have some sort of a gateway offer. My favorite gateway offer is a half day or a full day educational event. So I will do a half day educational event or a full day educational event and charge $500 for people to come and they will come to my city where I live. I'll give them a continental breakfast and more coffee than they can stand. I'll give them lunch and I'll do a half day event for them to demonstrate my expertise. But at that half day event, I always have one or two of my clients present some of the content because that provides additional social proof, which again is leverage. I'm not just selling myself. I have people who've used my systems, my processes also selling me. So they pay a little bit of money, 500 bucks, take a day off of work, come here, make an investment of their time. It's a very small investment. They see how powerful the solutions I have can be, and they say to themselves, man, if that guy, Steve Klitzner, at the front of the room, or that guy, Russ Jacobs, at the front of the room, if they can do it, man, I'm smarter than them, I can definitely do it. And they come away convinced that they can absolutely do all the things that I recommend, and they're gonna get an exponential return on their investment, then they're ready to invest the $50,000 after they spent 500 bucks to have a half day with me or a full day with me. So you can employ leverage by offering a gateway product or a service. So what does this look like if you're, let's say you're a gym owner and you're listening to this. What does this look like for you? You know what it looks like for you? It looks like you doing an open gym day where you have 20 of your trainers just hanging out in all different parts of the gym and you're registering people to come in and do workouts work through a specific circuit or just do freestyle workouts with the trainers sitting next to them showing them how to use the equipment showing them the technique asking them what their fitness goals are and demonstrating how they can achieve their fitness goals with the consistent application of the techniques they teach them that's what it looks like for you in a gym environment. You've got all their contact information. They showed up to check out your gym. They showed up to talk to your trainers and see if they had the expertise. They experienced everything. And then you have your membership services people walking around. When people are convinced, they sign them up right on the spot because they got to experience it. It's a very, very easy way to offer a gateway opportunity, even in a business like a gym. Nicola, what do you think? Yeah, you know what, I, I, love, I love to to describe it this way, Dave. Give me one shot, and that applies to any type of business. You ask for one shot, the opportunity to win that business, and that may be, for you, you gave example of your services. For mine, that would be, look, no one's gonna hire me tomorrow who doesn't know me at all to handle you know, a massive lawsuit where they don't know what, what my capabilities are, unless they know somebody who's referred me who knows me. But what do I ask for? Give me something that's sitting on your desk. 
right? Something that I can demonstrate to you how excellent I am at my craft. Or if you're someone who's, you know, your business provider and you're using a, a delivery service and you've got logistics involved in, in helping to get that to your, your building. We've talked about a coffee shop before and having the cups delivered to your building. You should always have more than one source to receive that product. So that's giving somebody else a shot, one chance. So you're the person who's selling that service to the coffee shop. Give me one chance on one, a one-off delivery to you and let me just show you what I'm capable of. That's all you need. You need one chance to demonstrate how excellent you are and you will convert more of those than if you're out there just trying to sell the home run. Yeah, I think that's 100% correct. All right, number three, the third place where you can employ leverage in order to grow your business is by deepening client relationships. So creating a community environment from your clients and having a way to ascend up the ranks of that community. Think about it this way. There are a number of programs where you can invest at the entry level, you can invest at a mid-level, and you can invest at the top tier, and you unlock additional benefits at each of those levels for the additional investment. There used to be a, a way to go to, for example, like a tennis club. My parents were big into tennis when we were younger. And there was a tennis club membership where you could only play tennis from like 10 p.m. to like 1 in the morning. That was the time when they needed it. That was like the entry-level membership. And if you worked late, maybe that was a good opportunity for you. Then there was another type of membership where you could play all day during the day, but you couldn't play after 5 p.m. because that's when everybody wanted to play. And that was like the second tier of membership. And then the third tier of membership gave you all the opportunity all day long, 24-7, if the place was open 24-7, to play tennis or hit balls off the machine or hit balls against the wall or use the workout facility, whatever. But you had different access depending upon the different tiers of membership levels in your organization. You can do the same thing with your clients when it comes to building a community. We were just speaking with someone who owns a fractional CFO company. And the person who's the fractional CFO does some work himself at the top level with CEOs. There could be people who want to be a top level CEO, but have not yet achieved that status, who'd be willing to buy up to have access to that individual. And that's another way to deepen client relationships. Increasing client lifetime value is the greatest leverage opportunity in any business. So thinking about ways to create community and build community really can help you unlock the lifetime value of those client relationships and employee leverage. Nicola, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's very effective. I mean, even, even just think about times you may have connected clients to each other, um, how much that has benefited them mutually in the relationship. So imagine taking that and making it even bigger and extending that to an entire community. There's a lot of value there to be provided and you will be the one who the client remembers helped them get to that period while they are using that as new resources now to get to a different level. And especially when you partner with, and we, with a CEO, for example, pair them with other CEOs who have been there, done that, can speak from experience on exactly what that person is going through in terms of the challenges that they're facing and trying to get to the next mark that they've set for themselves. Yeah, 100%. And the third and final way that I'll say related to deepening client relationships one, as an example is a certification program. So the Six Sigma program back in the 80s was a great, great example of this. You took a course, you put that 
stuff into action and then you took a test or an exam and you got certified between the practical hours that you put in and the knowledge that you gained in the course and the test that you took, you advanced to the next level. So you'll see oftentimes people say they're a Six Sigma black belt or whatever. That means that they've passed a number of different certification exams, had some specific experience in specific areas, and that led them to receiving this level of certification. Well, each level of certification requires additional financial investment, requires additional investment of time and commitment on the part of the person taking the exam or getting into the program. And what happens is, do you wanna give up your certification? No, you renew it year after year after year. You keep that financial investment going and that is a way to employ leverage. So just to recap real quick, there are those three ways again, and we gave you several examples of each of the three, and they're the first three things you should think about in employing leverage in your business. Number one, lead generation. Number two, sales and conversion. And number three, deepening relationships. You gotta employ leverage in these three areas first, and that's what leads you down the path to developing a real business. Now, Nikki G, guess what? We have a way that people can do this right now, and we can help them do this. The Exit Success Lab is so much more than just exit planning and exit strategy. We help them with their business strategy, and the very first thing we look at is how they can employ leverage in their business to make more money with less effort on their part and have the business begin to run independent of them because a business that's dependent upon the owner is never going to give them the most options when they're ready to exit. So if you're listening to this and you're not ready to exit for 15 or 20 years, that's fine. Let's start now working on employing leverage in your business to make it easier, to make it friction-free for you to run that business and also to take the first step down the path of giving you more options when you're ready to exit. What do you think, Nikki G? Absolutely. And what are we doing there? We are creating a community environment to achieve that. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about it because of how much thought we put into the value that that would provide to subject matter experts, and would provide to CEOs. And together, would increase that exponentially by having them intertwined. I love it. I love it. Those are the ways to employ leverage in your business, folks. We are helping you make things easier while you make more money. Wow. That was a lot of great advice, Dave. It's been a pleasure here discussing this with you today. And for our audience, you've discovered here today the awesome power of leverage in your business. If you liked what you heard today, do us a favor. Share the show with a friend. We don't have any advertising to promote the show right now, and we depend upon you who are listening to us to help us. So wherever you found our podcast today, take that link, do us a favor, send it to a friend. It will be good karma for you. And it might just help you or someone else make a great living and live a great life. Until tomorrow, I'm Nikki G. And this guy over here is... Dave Lorenzo, the godfather of growth. And we'll see you tomorrow.